Welcome to episode number seven of the Four Animals for Earth podcast. Today I'm talking to Marissa in Long Beach, California. The simple action that we can all take after today's show is to share photos of animals who need homes when we see them on Facebook or on Instagram. Or we can go even further and join a Friends of Facebook group for our local shelter and proactively keep an eye out for photos and videos that we can share. So why should we do this? Well, although it's super sad to see the photos of the animals that need homes, sharing them absolutely saves lives. It only takes one match of one pet and one family to save their life. If you'd like to dig into this show more, I have everything over in the show notes at fouranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash seven. Hi there, this is Brandy, and you're listening to the Four Animals for Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. I mean, so many things, but at the end of the day, I feel like I'm an advocate for, for pets, mostly dogs, but pets, dogs, just because there's a huge problem. And I feel like just more, there's a lot of cats too, but I just feel the big dog, the underdog. I want to like, I want to help them. That was Marissa De La Torre. Marissa describes herself well. She's a tremendous animal advocate here in LA. You know, LA feels, well, actually is a big city, but in pet welfare, I hear Marissa's name left and right. She's involved in so many different programs. I asked Marissa to be on the show because I think she is a wonderful role model for people, me included, who want to make a difference but aren't really sure how. She shares a lot of ideas, and I think you'll find a nugget or two that could work for you too. A couple of times in the call, we mentioned Dean. Dean is a mutual friend of ours who is also very involved in LA Pet Rescue. I just didn't want you to be wondering, who's Dean when we talk about him? Maybe I could get him to come on the show at some point too. Anyway, this is a fun, laid-back conversation about getting your hands dirty and getting involved and really making a difference. I think you'll enjoy it. Let's get started. The audience for this show is, you know, very interested in doing something to help, but sometimes it's really hard to figure out, like, what exactly can we do to make a difference? And so that's why I'm really excited to just have you talk today. Let's start by going way back. You know, when did you first become interested in animals? Was that a part of your life as a child, as you got older? Yeah. Um, so I grew up as an only child in the Bay Area. And so my parents, we always had pets around. Grandparents always had pets around, uh, mostly cats and dogs, some hamsters. So as the only child, not having siblings, I felt gravitated to the dogs. And they were like my best friends. So I have like pretty vivid memories of uh, me hanging out with Rachel and Micah, who were rescue dogs from the shelter in Martinez, California. Um, yeah, I just have uh, memories of playing with them, and they 
they were again like my best friends and I didn't have a lot of human I did have human interaction but not as much as somebody with siblings so that's kind of the foundation of that and then there was always different uh, neighborhood dogs and just cats we had a lot of cats <laughs> I always kind of get on my dad, how can you never fix the cats? Because the cats would have kittens and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, fast forward to being a young adult living in Oakland uh, about 12 years ago, um, I wanted to volunteer and do something because I knew that there was kind of a problem, but I didn't really know like there was like a, I knew there was a overpopulation of dog problem, but I didn't really know. So I went to the East Bay uh, SPCA in Oakland, and I started volunteering a little bit, just with uh, some events. And then I moved to LA 10 years ago. And it was kind of one of those like meant to be situations where um, I was doing some photography, just loosely, um, just hobbyists, my friends, scenery, nothing like spectacular at that point. And I moved to a place in Westwood, off Westwood in Santa Monica, La Condo with some friends from the Bay Area. And the first day we moved in, I went to the Petco that was on the corner and there was a rescue, Save a Life Rescue. It was a woman who had a bunch of dogs and some cats. And she and I was like, you know, totally like into the pets, like, oh my God, asking all the questions. And I asked her if she needed help with taking pictures and, and like, like how are these pets seen other than the, this adoption event? She said, actually, we need help. And I said, oh, well, I'm actually a hobbyist photographer, but looking to like do other things, pets, you know, whatever to help if this helps. So I basically did that for a year. Uh, it was just coincidental that it was right on the corner where I lived. So I'd go every Saturday, every other Saturday, take the photos, write little bios and put it on Pet Finder so that people could find the pets. Um, <laughs> woman was so nice. Uh, she <laughs> ended up being a hoarder, <laughs> which is very common. Uh, with people that love pets because they just, you know, they, they want to love and they take them all in, the sick, and then next thing you know, you're living with 50 pets. And Anyway, after that uh, scenario or opportunity, I um, started to, what was the next after that? Oh, I started, so at that point, I was like, I am a pet photographer. I felt proud in that. And then I started charging people that had pets. Uh, way, uh, they would commission me to take the, their pet, uh, the, the pets, uh, the portraits of their pets with them or the pets. And uh, yeah, I, I was, I felt like I found something in myself, like to do photography and to help the pets and make some money. Um, so after the Save a Life, my next volunteer gig was uh, United Hope for Animals. And they were doing um, their organization, all volunteer base that goes into Downey Shelter and Baldwin Hill Shelter and Carson Shelter, which are high kill shelters, which I, again, I was still learning about all this. I didn't know. I, I was only really 
I knew about rescues that didn't actually go into shelters. So I basically started doing that for a couple of years. It's kind of the same thing as Save a Life, just going in every other Saturday, taking photos of the dogs and helping them get exposure through a new intake photo and uh, photos for social media. And uh, yeah, I basically, <laughs> I've been doing that ever since but with different rescues and shelters at this point. And that's something that I'll do forever. <laughs> I feel like I just went off about that. Sorry. <laughs> No, that's great. You know, it's great. It brought up a couple of different questions for me. One of them was, um, so when you were young, when you were little, your parents had already introduced you to rescue because I think that's um, maybe not normal. I think probably it's it's changing as the times change and rescue yeah. becomes more and more prevalent, but you were aware of it when you were very young. Yeah, I and I feel very fortunate. I think there's a couple things there. I think growing up in the Bay Area, kind of the cliche, progressive, hippie culture, my parents were definitely into that. And also, I don't know if there's a parallel, but uh, I grew up, like my mom, we would go to Goodwill. We did a lot of secondhand stuff. So I kind of look at it like that as well. Like these pets are, they've already had different lives or, you know, living with different people so they're kind of secondhand as well so that just trend mm. was very prevalent in my life since I was a little girl mm. but I think my parents they the same they rescued their parents rescued pets I never there was really not I didn't know what a breeder really was until I was an adult because I just you just go to the pound that's what you do um, so I do feel, I wouldn't say fortunate, but I know that mentality is, uh, it, it's not, it is rare. And I think my parents definitely had a lot to do with it. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It makes sense. I do think a lot of, um, what we're introduced to when we're young, really, you know, that can kind of, it frames so much, you know, yeah. and, and I'm not necessarily, I was in a, a little bit, I mean, I was different, right? Because I grew up like with farming and um, you, if an animal kind of wandered onto your land, you, you kind of took them and took care of them. I don't really remember any conversation. Like, I don't remember when I first learned about shelters, you know, but yeah. I love the idea. Um, you know, it's funny, like the idea of secondhand, but secondhand, it's like their souls are on this journey and they're, you know, their lifetime spans maybe a couple of different stories a couple of different homes you yeah. know and um just like clothing and and all these like awesome things that you can really yeah. breathe life into a second time or a third time yeah um you know by bringing them in yeah there's definitely a surplus of things and things get thrown away pets get thrown away mm -hmm. so to me like the obvious is like let's it's not dead yet so let's give yeah. it another chance yeah exactly yeah yeah so you um so you've been doing photography now to help animals find homes for am i counting like 10 years yeah or so okay 10 years in july okay okay and 
you mentioned the aspect, so you mentioned the part of photographing them, but you also mentioned social media. Have mm-hmm. you specifically helped yourself with social media? Do you partner up with somebody with Inside the Rescues? How does that process work? Yeah, so um, Facebook is huge. Um, a lot of rescues and friends of shelters, sometimes it's not necessarily the shelter, but it's friends of South LA, friends of Downey, they form groups. And with the new picture and the new video, new information, they'll basically blast social media and hopefully they have enough followers that see and share. Instagram's been huge. Uh, a lot of the, like a purposeful rescue, they have over 60,000 followers. And Hillary, the founder, is extremely active on there. I think she posts like every two hours just stories and any blurb about the pet to kind of get the um, audience engaged. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a group effort because let's say a rescue has fosters. It's the foster's responsibility or, you know, they should be taking photos or video, sending it to the rescue so they could upload. So it's a group effort. It's, uh, I mean, 2020, so everything's being recorded or, or you know, it's, it's a good thing. Sometimes it could be a lot, you know, with social media, it's like in your face. But I mean, geez, there's been so many dogs that I've seen at the shelter through a single photo or video just get blasted. And the next thing you know, I mean, some of these dogs, it's like countdown, like four hours until they have to be put down for stupid reasons. And uh, they're rescued through that sharing. I mean, sharing all over the country. It's usually a rescue that pulls it or an adopter, but a rescue that has uh, the means to. You know, that's... Yeah, that's an interesting, um, it's an interesting aspect of animal welfare that I really only learned kind of more recently, but you always picture shelter animals being adopted by families, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times it's a rescue that's able to pull the dog or cat or rabbit (laughs) or hamster, um, but a rescue that's able to pull the animal and then put them in a different environment that allows them to flourish a little bit and then makes it a little easier to find a home. Exactly. Exactly. And unfortunately, I think it's a, I don't know, but it's a cultural thing. It's a little deep, but you know, if I have a sick pet and I don't have the means, I think to take it to the shelter and that sickness could just be a cough or, or something and I surrender the dog to the shelter and the rescue sees that dog and it's like, well, it's just been neglected a little bit. It's not, it's not going to die. So the shelter, I'm sorry, the rescue pulls the dog and it, it, it's a medical case. And so they fix the dog up through the donations that was put into the rescue. And now the dog's in a foster home or a rescue uh, place and they are able to like you said, get to know the dog. What is the dog like? What is it like? Is it like small dogs? Or what, what's this dog really, really like to get it into the best home? Because sometimes it's not, you know, when you pull a dog from the shelter, you don't, yeah, you don't really know what you're getting. And it's 
could be tricky because just like humans, some dogs are just not raised to flourish in certain environments. Right. Yeah. And the shelter environment um, can be, yeah, it's, it's so stressful. It's so So stressful. stressful. And it's really sad because you could go to a shelter and you see a dog that's not doing well, you know, just fearful and fearful dogs sometimes are aggressive or young dogs that have so much energy and they are pent up and they're just not happy and they're labeled as, you know, mean and just not things that are attractive to the general public. And so they just, they get the short end of the stick. Mm, yeah. So it really just comes down to Spain and neutering. That's <laughs> what I think. <laughs> but that's a whole other, whole other thing. You know, it is, it is another topic, but it is, uh, at the root, you know, of, of what would help the situation. Um, are you, have you worked with any spay and neuter, um, you know, nonprofits or anything like that? Not really. I work, I work one day a week with downtown dog rescue and I've been volunteering for them for a couple of years, mostly taking photos, uh, and helping out at the kennel. And they do, oh God, it's one of the most amazing groups that I've met and feel honored to be associated with. They do a lot of uh, outreach and spay and neuter clinics for low income or, you know, um, just free depending on where they live and circumstances. Um, but I've never actually been on site and, and seen it go down. But I know they do a lot of mobile spay and neuter as well it's uh it makes a difference i mean it makes a huge difference because it's people i i think if people like you kind of said if they saw i mean there's you see those sometimes those diagrams where it's like a dog that's not fixed produces six puppies those six puppies aren't fixed i mean it's just common sense for somebody like maybe you and I, because you kind of think back like, well, how did the dog get here or whatever. But when you see it kind of shown like that, you're like, oh. Mm. And you know, a lot of people love puppies. Puppies are adorable. And, pe- and people go to the shelter and they want the puppies. But it's not, well, it's not fair for the older dogs. And it's like, how did the, the puppy get there? Because, you know, maybe it was a backyard breeder. It, yeah. It just gets, there's a lot. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's improving so much, um, but there's still a long way to go for sure. It's a long way to go, especially in, yeah. I mean, in LA, America, third world countries, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, uh, I always say we've domesticated dogs and pets and Sometimes the things like we just like, I mean, this is totally sidetracked, but trying to find a house to rent or apartment to rent in Los Angeles or, you know, all over is very difficult because people are just not, and it's for liability issues or whatever. They're not, they don't want, I I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but it, it makes it very difficult for people to have pets in a, when renting in LA and that's that's why you see a lot of dogs in the shelter too because sometimes it's like you've got a family you got a pet 
you got to move and they're not going to take the pet. And, and it's easy to jo- It's quick. You know, you judge and you're like, Oh, like shame on you. You can't, you know, but it's, it's just a problem all over. Right. You know, I was, um, I was working with this, this little guy, well, big guy <laughs> named Frankie on Wednesday at Pastina Humane and he's two and he was so well trained. It was incredible, you know, and, and he, um, he was clearly house trained, which I cannot imagine how stressful that is living in a, um, you know, a concrete kennel because he's holding it you know, the chance that he gets a walk. So, you know, when I took him out, oh my gosh, he went to the bathroom more than I've ever seen a dog go to the bathroom. uh, But, you know, he, um, he would just come over and he would sit and he was very um, cuddly and you just, you could, you could Mm. tell like somebody spent a lot of time with this dog. And so I asked and they said, yeah, sure enough. Um, the owner switched apartments, the, the landlord wouldn't allow him to have the dog and you know, the dog's there. And I think, you know, I guess that only really goes to landlords to be able to kind of change that. But you do completely understand why it is the way it is. And, yeah. you know, I think, um, I suppose education, you know, I um, Dean told me one time, like, you know, he was telling me he had a pit with him and he said, did you know that pit bulls used to be the nannies yeah. and like the English culture, the British culture? And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so fun and amazing and just not the perception that we have of pits no yeah it's so unfortunate I still see uh, when I'm looking because we're looking to move blatant no pit bulls I'm like so racist (laughs) (laughs) get away with it and it's just like I mean you know there's that Colorado ban that they're trying to keep pitbulls like ban on pitbulls they're trying to pass that and anyway it's horrible um they were the nanny dogs if you google the photos they're so cute they're just like they're so loyal Uh, they're the they're I feel like they're the best dogs Mm. and they're the ones that we end up working with the most huh when you volunteer at a shelter at least in LA I don't know if it'll be the same way like across the country or across the world but at least in LA the majority of the dogs you work with are pit bulls or chihuahuas or a mix you know not a mix of the two but a mix (laughs) (laughs) that happens too but (laughs) chihuahua mix a bit mix (laughs) yeah it's mostly pit bulls and just mutts and uh a lot of the little dogs I see in the shelter, because those do tend to go quicker because they're easier to take care of and people like little dogs, but they'll be the medical cases for sure. Um, a purpose for rescue does a great job at rescuing the small dogs that, I mean, Jesus, these transformations just, you know, you see this matted, just neglected young dog. And then in two, three months, just like this fluffy, dog that you wouldn't even know when you first saw it and it was just you know living in a backyard its whole life and so yeah it's but it is mostly big dogs that kind of get the they end up cute puppies and I think people forget that these dogs are going to get really big especially pit bulls so anyway uh puppies turn to big dogs big dogs need homes too Yes. yes. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, when you 
go into a group, you know, to help them. Can you talk a little bit about just like the logistics of that? I think you mentioned back in the beginning with the first lady, you would go every other Saturday. And so is it kind of, do you, are you able to kind of set your schedule and say, okay, here's like a timeframe I can be there and we'll shoot as many dogs as I can then. How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So with her, it was pretty loosey goosey. Like it was like, I showed up, maybe there was another volunteer to help me get, uh, the attention of the the dogs, but it definitely a group effort organization helps a lot. Uh, South LA, we have a program that goes every other Sunday and it's a roster of different photographers, different handlers that all, because it's in South LA, have to get trained and go to the orientation through South LA. And then if they're going to become a dog handler, I have to go through that training. So it is a process. I mean, it's, city shelter so it's government there's liability um and then we also a part of that roster have a note taker who writes the bios and then somebody another volunteer that would post all the photos online uh and make sure that the shelter gets the new photo to put on their on their um computer uh, their website uh, websites and um yeah, so it's really uh, it's a huge group effort. If one person doesn't show up, it kind of throws things off. So people want to volunteer, and they should volunteer. But it is you got to be down. <laughs> you gotta you gotta like you know put in the hours a month because you know it's there's it's very common with uh, groups anywhere, especially when it's volunteer based or anything. It could get political. But you have to know that you're doing it for the dog. At the end of the day, you know, you put your ego aside and you're like, okay, well, maybe I don't agree with how this person wants to write a bio. Or, I mean, of course, you want to make the dog look as, as good as it can. But sometimes, you know, if you don't put that, it's if you know the dog doesn't do well with other dogs and you don't put that, then that's you're, you're lying. And you want to set the dog up to, to win. And so, you know, if you have a person that's not on the same, it's hard, but you have to kind of always go back. Why am I doing this? Well, I'm here basically so that the dog could get seen and get rescued. So that's always the, the drive and the goal. And it, hopefully the group has that same, you know, uh, mission. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, I yeah. can picture people in different places, you know, maybe it's a pipe dream, but I could, I could imagine a group of three to four friends being able to kind of come together and do yeah. that for their local shelter. Totally. Uh, yeah. It would kind of take that pressure off of trying to do it by yourself. You'd yeah. have, you know, the bio person, the get attention of the dog person, the <laughs> photo photographer, um, yeah. and, and kind of go together as a team. And then as long as you're like all dependable together and you can yeah. kind of prove to the, the shelter that you'll be there, you'll do it. You're going to put yeah. the time and the effort in consistently. Um, I feel like you could make a huge difference like in yeah. your county shelter, you know, you totally can. I think, you know, at first it can be a little like you, you have to jump through some hoops because you have to get, you have to get aligned with the, the shelter and their, their rules. And you have to prove to them that you are, you know, somebody that they could trust. Right. Um, and that's why you have the orientation and the, the training. And then once you 
set your system into place. It's really just showing up and, and putting in the work and being consistent. Um, I, I think, you know, having, well, dogs can't talk. <laughs> I mean, so we have to, you know, we have to stay on good terms with everybody involved. I think that's huge. And, and I, and I say that because the issues that I've seen in the past is, you know, just again, there's egos and political stuff and it can kind of deter just because sometimes the shelter will have new uh, rules and systems in place and sometimes the volunteers don't. It's hard. It's really hard, especially with the shelter system. A rescue um, uh, environment system is not as complicated. I've, I've kind of learned with my experiences. I photograph a couple of different rescues and it's a little more, um, it's just less, there's less people involved. Um, and they always need great professional um, photographs and videos. Videos are uh, definitely something that is people uh, interact with more. Um, so going to your local shelter, I'm sorry, rescue, and kind of building a relationship with them could be sometimes a little easier at first. Of course, the sheltered animals definitely need all the help they can. Um, you just have to be a little more, I think, dedicated and kind of follow their rules. Yeah, willing to to put in the time and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we've talked a lot about photography, but you've actually done a lot of different things to help different rescues. Um, I wonder if you'll talk about some of the other things you've done and how those came about. Yeah. Um, well, we, you and I started the, the reading for, uh, what, did, what did we call it? I think we just called it like read to dogs. I, I remember doing one, one graphic that was read to dogs, cats, and rabbits. Cause I remember yeah. Dean was like, we got to get those rabbits in there. It's yeah. so cute. It's so cute. Yeah. Rabbits. There's a lot of rabbits at the shelter, especially around Easter. So don't, don't be buying rabbits off the streets people. Um, yeah. So that was something that, um, I'm, unfortunately haven't done in a while. Uh, they they were trying to start that, up again with Amanda, but I think something's gotten something happened. Um, so that was cool. Uh, that was a really cool thing. Basically, children going to the shelter on a Sunday and uh, volunteers and shelter workers bringing in pets, uh, bunnies, cats, and dogs uh, in their cages. And yeah, they were able. The kids were basically just able to read to them, and it was calming for both. I think the kids and the pets because the kids were able to kind of show off their reading skills and the pets, you know, we want to think because we don't know, we put our emotions onto them that they enjoy just being, um, you know, out of their normal environment, which is still the shelter, but we sit around humans and get to hear voices and so forth. Um, what else have I done? I mean, God, I do so much photography. I, uh, I live in downtown LA, so I'm able to go to, on behalf of Downtown Dog Rescue, they do the Pet Resource Center on Wednesdays, uh, once a month in Skid Row. And that is, uh, it's basically a program that, again, helps low-income or homeless people with their pets and offers them resources, just food, supplies, spay and neuter vouchers, medical assistance, the ASPCA, who's there as well. 
And just going there and talking to them has been, I mean, you know, for selfish reasons or not, just to kind of see people's stories. Uh, you know, they're my neighbors. They're all our neighbors. And I think we forget about that. You know, they are worthy of companionship and love just as we are. And some of these pets actually get a lot more care than you would think in the sense that you have somebody who got a dog, bought a dog, they work 12 hours a day, they leave their dog home all day and, you know, they're neglected in that way where somebody who's not working and may not have a job and is having harder times with their pet and they love their pet so much. So kind of just be able to be a part of that has been huge, just bringing awareness to just their, their stories and, and their, you know, to be a part of that program that they have to get spay and neuter their pets. So that's just kind of another way to spread the gospel of <laughs> spaying and neutering. Cause at the end of the day, I think that's like we mentioned, that's the biggest takeaway of there's a problem. There's, there's too many dogs, too many rabbits, too many cats. What's, you know, how do we fix this? And it's, you know, just being a responsible pet owner and getting your dog fixed. And other than, you know, a surplus, it's also a health, um, you know, you could, your dog is more likely to get sick or have cancer, you know, um, masses if they don't get fixed. And I think a lot of people forget <laughs> that as well. <laughs> Um, yeah, Cusco agrees. Yeah, I feel like I sidetracked it on that, but basically, um, I mean, so many things, but at the end of the day, I feel like I'm an advocate for, for pets, mostly dogs, but pets, dogs, just because there's a huge problem. And I feel like, um, there's just, there's just more, there's a lot of cats too, but I just feel the big dog, the underdog. I want to like, I want to help them. Mm, yeah. And I, I like what you're saying. You know, it's like, number one, I'm an advocate. Number two, I do what I can to help. And I think that's, um, I think that's amazing. And I think that's like yeah. what you know, at least a lot of us hope to do. And, and it's kind of just a matter of like being brave and, and yeah. going and asking how you can help and then doing it and being consistent and dependable. Yeah. Social media has been huge too. Like we mentioned, I mean, I'm on there. I don't think I'd be on Facebook if it wasn't for just sharing dog posts. It's, it's extremely, I mean, just the results you see, it, it's crazy, you know, when you see like 97 shares, like I said, and over this one photo or video, but just spreading the gospel through Facebook has been huge. You know, I go, I go on Craigslist every day. <laughs> I go under the free section because um, people, they post their dogs or their cats or their pets, bunnies, whatever, under the free section for various reasons. You know, again, they, they have to move and they can't take their pet or they're trying to sell their dog and you know, whatever. And unfortunately, it, and I don't think a lot of people know this, when you put your dog on Craigslist, you are, you're risking the dog getting picked up by somebody and it becoming a, um, 
a bait dog, which is a dog that is used in dog fighting for, uh, to make the dogs just sort of say stronger, better fighters. It's, it's horrible. It's, um, but people do it. It's, you know, LA is a crazy place. You know, I don't, <laughs> that's another thing is I think people, uh, don't see LA, you know, they see it on TV, but that, you know, there's some, there's some crazy areas here and there's some crazy things that go down. Uh, Dogfighting is one of them. So anyways, Craigslist is a place where I feel like I intervene a little bit and I posted on Facebook to hope it hopes that somebody will see this one-year-old Shih Tzu dog and needs a, a home and Craigslist flags those posts, which is good. Uh, but then it's like where, and I get nervous, you know, this is the problem. I'm sure a lot of animal people have empaths where it's like, well, what's going to happen to the animal? Like, are they going to take it to the shelter? Which isn't the worst case scenario for, let's say, a one-year-old Shih Tzu. At least they'll they'll have um, they'll be safe. Um, but you know, it's still likely where people just they'll drive somewhere and let their dogs out. I mean, people do that all the time, and I you may see it in movies, but it it happens all the time everywhere. And uh, you know, so people posting on Craigslist, I felt like they're they're desperate or they're trying to make money. So I try to intervene. Sometimes I'll reply and, you know, try to help. And I ain't going to lie. Sometimes I get mad, <laughs> but then I realize I shouldn't, you know, it's, I can't have to be calm and try to help the situation. Before we enter the simple idea part of the segment, I wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for being a listener and thank you for supporting me and this work that I do for Four Animals for Earth. I really appreciate your support. I'd also like to invite you to learn more about the resources that we offer on our website at fouranimalsforearth.com. I've put together a booklet of 50 simple ideas to make a difference that summarizes the various posts that are on our blog right now and other ideas that I think can be worked into daily life without too much stress to make it happen. You can get a copy at bit.ly 50 simple ideas. That's the number 50. So it's bit.ly slash five zero simple ideas. I hope that you'll find something there that speaks to you. Uh, It's not about doing all 50 ideas. It's about finding one or two that seem realistic to you and that you could try, you know, throwing into your everyday life. Now let's go ahead and jump into the one simple idea to make a difference part of our show. Um, But yeah, just, just sharing and intervening online is I think a huge way to help kind of help save dogs and just sharing a photo or I do that all the time. I post photos and people that don't post photos often, sometimes I feel it could be even more effective because they're not, you know, blasting away the same 20 dogs every week where if my grandmother posts a photo, like people are going to look, they're going to be like, who is this dog in South LA shelter? And they're more, more likely to find out more information um, because it's coming from somebody, you know, that, that they know cares, but just not blasting everybody. Um, so I think that's huge. Just, just picking, it isn't, you know, just picking one dog, one dog a week or something. 
I love that. And, yeah. and, you know, one of the the biggest things that I'm trying to do um, with this podcast and with Four Animals for Earth is to take the various ideas of how you can make a difference and kind of narrow it down to something simple. Like once one simple thing I could do today to slowly start making a difference. And I think what you just shared is perfect. You know, yeah. it's, um, yeah, I think that's yeah, great. It's huge. I, I mean, we're on there on social media anyway. So why not? Because yeah. a very common question or answer or just sentiment that I get from people, they go, how can you go into the shelter? It's so sad. And I totally get it. It's so sad. And depending on the day of the week, I could either be a hot mess because I'm extremely sensitive or, you know, it's like I have a, I have a job my volunteer job, you know, and I, I look at it like that, like I'm here to help the animals, Let's just kind of get through the motions, do what we can. And, um, and I think about that all the time when people say that, and I try not to get, um, like, uh, how do I say it? Like people, cause that's our own problem. We're getting in the way of helping because we can't, not to say like control, but it's like, yeah, it's sad. But what about them? Like they're, they're sad too. So why can't we put our emotions aside for, you know, an hour, whatever hours and go in and, you know, just say hi <laughs> or take a photo, just visit. I mean, cause it is also, you know, you could not to say desensitize yourself, but it is kind of like building up a muscle or an emotion where you go in and, and you do, you know, what you think you can do and just putting away, I mean, it is sad, but I mean, life can be sad. And this is a, a problem that unfortunately humans kind of created. So how could we fix this problem? And it's really up to us to kind of put on our <laughs> big girl pants and, and just, you know, just do what we can. And I'm not saying like everybody should go into the shelter, but it's something I have people that I feel want to go and they're just so like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And yeah, cry, be sad. But like, at least you knew, like, you know, that you could maybe take a photo and you're helping. And then you look back and I mean, it sounds cheesy, but you'll probably be so proud of yourself. Like you did it. Like you went in into this, like not the best environment and you saw a dog that, you know, you really liked and you started networking it. And like, what if that dog gets rescued? Like that was something that you think you didn't think you could do. And I mean, it's so rewarding. And that's the thing too, is people do this because it is, you want to help, but it is rewarding. You, you're helping, you're helping a dog that basically maybe never had a chance and, you know, to see that dog get rescued or adopted, it's, it's huge. It's such a great feeling. And like, that's also why people do it too, because it gives them purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I always say it's like the, if you can just change that minute, like if you can bring it into the present moment and it's like that minute in that dog's life or that cat's life, that animal's yeah. life, it's, it's worth it. It's worth yeah. it. You know, um, 
Thank you, Marissa. Yeah. If um, if anyone, so you've got some awesome Instagram, some different yeah. stuff. Where would you like people to follow you if they would like to do so? Yeah, um, I'm pretty active on Facebook when it comes to um, just posting pictures that I've taken and different rescues and shelters that I help out with. My name is Marissa De La Torre. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to see. Maybe we could post the actual link because I don't know how many Marissa yeah. Delatories there are. I'll put um, it in the notes. Yeah. yeah. Um, on Instagram, I'm Marissa Dela. I show a lot of my um, my work, like portrait, human portraits on there. But in the stories, I post a lot of the dog stuff. Um, yeah. I, and I think just checking out like various rescues that I help with, help out with downtown dog rescue, purposeful rescue, South LA shelter is huge because you, you'll see kind of all the, all the stuff that I'm involved with and what they're doing and just, uh, spreading the, <laughs> spread the word. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Spreading the word. I love yeah. it. It really kind yeah. of all sums down to that. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I, 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 every day I'm like, I see a dog and I'm like, Oh yeah, where'd you get the dog from? And like when they tell me they got it from the shelter or whatever, I get so happy. And like, you know, it's really just kind of like, I mean, that's why and I know I'm ending, but like when you see celebrities with um, rescue dogs, I mean, it's huge because like people, unfortunately, that's the culture, we look up to them. So when you see, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, what's his name, Justin Thoreau having, like really pushing for his pit bull, it's like so great that people are just like the voices. And then next thing you know, like you're like, oh, well, he has a pit bull, I'm gonna go get a pit bull. And so, um, yeah. And so, the rescues that I work and help out with, they are pushing the same message. So go follow them. And that's all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please consider hitting subscribe, rating or reviewing us, telling a friend, any or all of the above truly make a difference. The more people we can reach, the more people I can find to interview and the bigger impact we can make together. Keep an eye on your feed. We'll be back soon with the next episode. Thanks. Bye.